sugar, spice, and everything nice. These were the ingredients chosen to create the perfect little girl. But Professor Utonium accidentally added an extra ingredient to the concoction, Chemical X. The safety report got worse reception than the toxic waste. I'm Torn Atkinson. Who knew TC Double Ds would be a bad thing? I'm Kevin Leeson. Carcinogens, teratogens, mutagens. Oh my. I'm Alan Newell. Strong enough for a regular listener, pH balanced for weirdos. I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is Caustic Soda! You know what we haven't done in a while? What's that? We haven't thanked our researchers. Oh, yeah. Well, thank oh, yeah. them very much. We had a lot of help on this episode specifically from Kelly and Todd and Steve. Thank you. And this episode is Chemical Accidents. Ah! Not chemical purposes. Nope. No, there were there are a lot of chemical pur- on purposes, Yeah, <laughs> but we won't be discussing those. Uh, there's also a lot of pollution uh-huh. and garbage. And uh, ecocide, right? And we won't be discussing those either because those will be their own episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also already had an explosions episode, which there are some tie-ins there, right? Some overlapping, and we'll probably have a standalone episode for nuclear accidents, of course. So I uh, generally didn't include nuclear stuff on this uh, list either. Our special guest for this episode is Alan Newell. Hey. hey, how you doing? Welcome back. Thank you. As long as you keep having the uh, the buffet, I'll be here. Oh, excellent. Now, I'm guessing that we're... Uh, don't eat the shrimp, by the way. <laughs> I'm guessing that we have Alan Newell, the firefighter, with us today, as opposed to Alan Newell, the historian. Yes. So, no context. I don't want any historical context at all from you today. <laughs> keep it out. <laughs> keep it in your pants. Uh-huh. So, toxic comes from Latin toxicum, meaning, meaning poison, from the Greek toxicon, pharmacon, uh, and uh, relating to toxicos, which means pertaining to arch arrows or archery. Uh, wait, arrows and archery? How does that have to do with? I guess poisoning your arrows, the poison that yeah. you put oh, on arrows. Okay. Yeah. All right. And spill comes from Proto-Germanic spelthijanin to split or break off. Okay, well, so that that's makes pretty sense. good. Yeah, spelthijanum though. That definitely sounds like something Harry Potter would do. Did that come from? Is that where Spelljammer? came from the old D game <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> chemical of course comes from alchemicus uh, which we just talked about in our alchemy episode mm-hmm. so no surprises there go back and listen to that toxophobia or toxophobia or toxicophobia so uh, it's all just like whatever you want to you could just throw as many syllables after tox <laughs> as you want before phobia Toxico uh, califragilistic expialidociaphobia. <laughs> it's the fear of poison or of being accidentally poisoned. It's a fear of being poisoned by Mary Poppins. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Since we're talking about hazardous materials, in a sense, today okay. things that can spill or, or leak or have an accident. Right. There's there's six that the fire department generally categorizes that we could find when we show up. Sure. They can cross over. And when we get to toxins, I've got a pop quiz for you. Okay, great. So the first one we look at, and by the way, these can cross over. So for example, cryogenics can be corrosive. So they're okay. not just in two individual okay. categories. So the first one, we'll start off with thermal hazards, the exact okay, sure. opposite end of the spectrum. So okay. you can have low temperatures, 
mm-hmm. as a thermal hazard, which is your cryogenics. It can be super cold. Okay, I see. Like uh, liquefied petroleum gas or some sort of super cold metal that's being transported. If you're in Terminator 2, you might see that a lot. Exactly. Right? Yep. Uh, then the opposite end of that within thermal hazards is elevated temperatures. Uh, for example, on our highways, very frequently trucks will drive past you carrying molten aluminum, which is shipped at <laughs> 704 degrees Celsius. Nice. What, does, what does a truck carry molten, molten aluminum look Somebody like? somewhere needs it for yeah. something. But why does it got to be molten? Can't you just send a block of aluminum and then have them molt it there? Molt it. Well, you, know. you know, I honestly don't know that. I assume they're they're using it for casting into something the word or for off-gassing. The word you're looking for is emultinate. Uh-huh. Yes. There's also chemicals that when released to air have an exothermic heat reaction. So just exothermic hit air, meaning? giving off heat. The okay, chemical okay. reaction emits heat. So yeah, exposed to air, truck rolls over, train derails, rips open. Whoosh, it was fine when it was in a pressurized, pressurized container. Vessel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the next one, uh, I imagine uh, you guys are familiar with this, would be radiological hazards. I know, having read some of Joe's posts, he's familiar with the difference between ionizing and non-ionizing radiation, because mm-hmm. people tend to panic at the thought of all radiation, but uh, non-ionizing is generally the, the safer stuff. That would be visible light, mm-hmm. right. radio waves, that sort of thing. Because when a tanker spills over and light comes out, <laughs> it's fine. It's My Little Pony. They kept they had My Little Pony in cages. <laughs> It's coming out as a bunch of rainbows. Isn't that how we got the Powerpuff Girls? Something like that? Yeah. Uh, the downtown core is contaminated with rainbows and pleasant thoughts. Uh, the ionizing types of radiation, these are they go from not so bad to, to pretty bad. That's your alpha particles, beta particles, gamma radiation, right. and neutrons. That's okay. the bad stuff. So that stuff's mm-hmm. transported around the cities. You'll have like x-ray plates being taken around and isotopes for for laboratory work that sort okay of thing. okay next up is asphyxiation hazards mm-hmm. uh, these are often substances which sometimes aren't really all that harmful but they they affect the body's ability to oxygenize so you could have a tanker of nitrogen which is harmless in fact it makes up most of what we breathe in the air right but if you have too much of it in a small space the oxygen's pushed out you asphyxiate too much of a good thing too much of a, a neutral thing mm. in some cases right. and then there are some that simply choke you because they're they're poisonous then we get to chemical hazards which gives us our toxins and poisons. Right. And that's where I've got a pop quiz for you. Okay, okay. let's do All it. Right. Okay, so under types of toxins, we've got their target organs. So I'm going to name the toxin. Ooh. Okay. And you tell me, if you can, which organ these affect. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Nephrotoxins. Nephro. N-E-P-H-R-O. Uh, that it affects, affects your hair. It af- that affects Egyptians. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm inclined. He was to... in the later dynasty, wasn't he? Nephrotoxin. Uh, I'm going to go with your hair. Makes you bald. Nephro. Turns your hair green like the Joker. Close, but way off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the kidneys. Oh, okay. okay. Um, All right. Okay. Nephro. So I'll throw you a, a really slow ball here. Hemotoxins. Oh, blood, 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 blood. Good. Call back to our blood episode. Exactly. <laughs> we okay. learned things on the podcast. <laughs> this this one's kind of in the middle between those two. Hepatoxins. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, livers. Yes. Yeah. How did you connect it? Which, I don't know why. I know that hepatitis. That hepatitis. That's why. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I knew that, but I do it. This one's, again, another real slow one. Neurotoxins. Your brain. No, your nerves. Nope. Oh, your, your nervous nerves. System. Nervous system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my nerves hurt. And that's uh, <laughs> stuff you talked about before, like mercury. Right. It goes okay. right for that. Yeah, neurotoxin. Yeah. Okay. This one is just for Torin. Oh. oh. Mutagens. Mutagens. It affects your genes. No. Well. You become a super villain. DNA. Goes right for your DNA. Screws it up. Wow. That's exciting. And that's stuff like aluminum chloride, beryllium, 
dioxins. Oh, beryllium. Mutagenic. Yeah. You don't hear much about... Not just a word you see in comics, after all. <laughs> that's right. And it's, that's... I mean, you don't hear aluminum chloride or beryllium very often, but you, we've heard of dioxin spills yeah, and deliberate dumps on, and leaks and that sort podcast. of thing. I've got one last one, I think. Uh, I'll give you teratogens. Teratogens. It attacks you and your dinosaur. T- <laughs> T-E-R-A-T-O-G-E-N-S. Teratogens. I'm going to say it targets your earthy parts. Terra... Togen. That terrorist oh, T-E-R. It attacks your feet. That is what happens when you get a toxic spill of a bunch of automatic rifle bullets. You know, oddly enough, although way off, you're in the ballpark in a strange way. Okay. The substances most commonly associated with this would be lead, lead compounds. There's your bullets. Okay. Or benzene, which is another chemical. So okay. do you know offhand which part of, which, what is affected by those? By, by those? lead? Oh, you're like when those kids eat lead. Yeah, when kids eat lead paint. Embryos. Fetus. Ah, oh, there you go. Teratogenic. Teratogenic. All right, so you only have to worry about if you're pregnant. So yeah. I can eat lead. Or, or me. a woman should. Alan Newell says, I can eat lead and it won't affect my fetus. <laughs> lead paint. Delicious but deadly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is true. We heard that lead is quite sweet. So amongst chemicals, you've also got, I mean, we have the toxics, the poisons, and these, those produce uh, injuries at the site of contact, and that gives you a local toxin. Right. Or if they're absorbed and distributed through the system, that's a systemic toxin. So that's poisons. Mm-hmm. There's also irritants. Mm-hmm. Convulsants. That's Joe. Yeah, that's, okay. I was okay. waiting for that. The Joe chemicals. Convulsants. <laughs> Convulsants. Which cause convulsions. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's kind of on the nose. Corrosives. Yeah. Which right. is your acids and your bases. Those corrode, right? <laughs> and uh, on my list of bases, the most base of bases is... The ace of base. Because uh, <laughs> the ace is a one. That's the... Uh, I can't argue with that logic. Joe's totally right. Yeah. It would be caustic soda. Mm-hmm. Is, oh. is used as the example of the most base I was going to say all your bases belong to us. Uh-huh. Maybe that should have been my intro. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe it will be. I always cut that. <laughs> There's also carcinogens and allergens. Right. Which are the... Peanuts. Little... When the yeah. peanut uh, factory explodes... <laughs> Look out! Look Everyone's out. throat starts to get all itchy. <laughs> There are biological and etiological health hazards. Etiological, yeah. I had to look it up. It means the same thing as biological. Okay. All right. uh, so there's biological s- and biological? Well, same word for the same thing. I think, one, I think thing. Uh, honestly, since this comes from a firefighting textbook, it's the smart person's term. Okay. And they stuck it next to the buckethead's term. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> and these are microorganisms such as viruses or bacteria or their toxins, which uh, right. can cause severe illness. And as we know, biological toxins, you can, they're generally a byproduct of a virus or a bacteria. Okay. And the virus or the bacteria doesn't necessarily have to be harmful, but their byproduct is. Right. So, for example, castor beans give us ricin, which is a super poison. Right. Okay. Um, you got to watch out for those uh, poisonous Bulgarian umbrellas that mm-hmm. they uh, kill you with on the bridges. As, yeah. as discussed in the... Was it assassinations? The, no, I think it was in the poison episode. Yes. Possibly. It would fit in both. Uh, and the final one is mechanical hazards. The truck rolls over, explodes, and you get a chunk of truck in your head. Yeah. Okay. That that, kind of, or a shockwave hits you from the explosion. That's a hazard. That's is a hazard. hazard. Mm-hmm. Although it could turn you into a transformer. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, there is the chance of superhero-ness. Outside possibility. It yeah. depends on the chemical in the truck, I guess. So we have uh, roots of entry. Mm. Um, oh, wow. So the you're, butt. I you're guess standing the butt. there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I take uh, eyeballs. Eyeballs. That's, oh, that's a horrible route of entry. Eyeballs, ah. sort of one of them. Lungs. Butt is kind of one of them. 
lungs breathing. is a good one. Yeah, the, the CDC lists uh, three main routes of entry, and then they have you know a gazillion lesser routes of entry. Entry. The, the three main ones are inhalation, mm-hmm. uh, ingestion. Yeah, okay. and then skin to- contact or mucous membranes, which is your eyeballs. Like yeah, you get something on. <laughs> and then the two other ones that they kind of have as their secondary main ones are injection. It somehow gets punctured into the skin, right? Okay, and the other one is absorption. So it's not just skin just goes contact; it goes through. Yeah, so skin contact would be more like you get some sort of like growing horrible thing on the surface. The absorption one is it goes in and it attacks the kidneys or something okay. like that. Should we talk about methods by which dangerous goods are transported? We, we are surrounded by dangerous goods. Uh, interestingly, right, just, right now, uh, there's a dangerous good next to me. There's Turns a, a dangerous good. I'm a dangerous Get away guy. from me. Back off. You should have a warning label or something. This is not right that you should be in here with me without some sort of like I got a mat- signage. I got a mattress label. Are all the warning signs? You didn't take it off the mattress, did you? <laughs> he I did. got the mattress right in my pocket. But that shows just how dangerous he really is. Now, that's that's one thing actually for Canadian listeners and American listeners to your show. In the United States, they use the term hazardous materials, and it's in all the movies. And I, I bet you most Canadians talk about hazmat hazardous materials. Right. But we actually have a Canadian term for it. We're very polite. It's dangerous goods. Right. Okay. Um, so you might yeah, hear you me. Know, it's Canadian. It has good right in the title. Right. <laughs> so you might hear me occasionally drift back and forth between using the term dangerous good or hazmat, but Same they thing. are synonymous. Okay. So I, I just pulled up to the studio here, and on my way down uh, the road, I passed a tanker truck. Uh, it was a cryogenic truck venting. I think it was liquid oxygen he was carrying on the way to somewhere. Okay. Uh, pulled into the parking lot, stopped, and a train rolled by <laughs> with several chemical cars. <laughs> yes. So I had you know tens of thousands of liters of toxic chemicals pass me just on my way here. In the, in the span of 20 minutes. And in, some, in one minute. And some lovely reactive oxygen right next to it. Right next to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that's around us, on the railroads, there's pressure vessels. There's low-pressure cars, high-pressure cars carrying stuff that's anything above 25 uh, pounds per square inch in pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, cryogenic liquid tank cars, and they're 190 degrees Celsius and below. So they're super cold. Okay. Um, there's covered hopper cars carrying coal dust. Also, uncovered hopper cars, box cars, and anything you can see being pulled by a locomotive could have something in it that will kill you. And then, sadly, a- cargo tanker trucks on the road meet all those same criteria. Pressurized, non-pressurized, right. cryogenics. And they're all idling next to you while you wait for the red light to turn. Mm-hmm. And we're surrounded by it. Oh, uh, it's so it's like there's all. something is bound to go wrong at some point. It is. I even have some numbers mm-hmm. from the United States. Okay. Ooh, okay. United Two, States numbers are lucky. 2008, there mm-hmm. were 16,904 hazardous materials, spills, or accidents in the United States. Give me that number again. 16,904. And that's just incidents in transport. That's not laboratories blowing up. Okay. Packaging plants having leaks in that. That's just on the highways and the rail and the air and on water. That's, and that's one court, oh, That's one year. That's one year. 46 and a day. 46 okay. per day. And out of that, 14,780 of them happen on the highways. That's most of them. Per day. Uh, dispersion patterns? Dispersion patterns. They are what set up the problem for firefighters. This is how. Wait, 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 wait. A dispersion pattern. He's trying to think of a joke. Nope. Joke on. to derail oh, us all. Uh, it's That is uh, th- what a rug looks like when you're trying to make fun of somebody from Iraq. Oh, no, that's this what... Persian pattern. <laughs> no, no. So you make fun of a guy from Iraq and he throws his rug at you because you there's... diss that Persian. I just want it on record that I beat Kevin to that, <laughs> splitting apart the word. And okay, well, I'm, I'm eating both of you because Iraqis are Arabs. It's, it's Iranians. Oh, it's that are Iranians that are Persian. I, I was doing the Iraq and I was like, which one? Shit. That's I why I just too. say Irash covers both of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's the odd Persian in Iraq, though. There you go. Yeah. Um, so once everything's out of the tank or 
lying on the road or getting ready to go, the fire right. department and the emergency responders now have to attempt to deal with it. And the first thing we look at is how is it getting around? So we have what's called a dispersion pattern. And they can be, they're fairly dull, but, you know, they can be a hemispheric, which is just like a domed bubble over the tank car. Does that ever happen? Yeah. You'll have heavy gases that are heavier than air and they don't want to go too far. So they just kind of make a cloud that sits on the ground. Okay over the vessel that's right. leaking. Wow. Then there can be clouds, which are just a ball that floats up and looks pretty. Okay. Uh, plumes, which are just a column venting up, and they can be angled depending on wind, so they're right. going into the neighborhood next time. Mm-hmm. There can be cones. Again, cones. They're, they're generally a lighter-than-air substance, so it's dispersing and getting wider oh. as it gets away from right. the you can't, put, you can't put ice cream in them. Boo. Boo. What if it was an ice cream truck that tipped over? Oh, it created a cone of ice cream? A cone of cones. Ah. Is that Game Meta. of Thrones? Yeah. Oh, oh, the Game humanity. of Thrones. For liquids, you have streams, which are pretty obvious. They yeah. have run away. Yeah. It can pool. And then uh, because this is written by a beer cat, you have irregular dispersions. So that's now everything's in the air. It's The tank has erupted. Or on the surface. Or on the surface. We have an incident right. and, and a spill associated with it. So now we have to try and fix it when the fire department shows up. Yeah. So if you yeah, have, have... Giant vacuums. We actually do have vacuums for non, um, non-toxic, non non-caustic liquids. Okay. Generally, you know, if, if your house floods, we come in and vacuum up the water. Okay. Often after a small fire, we clean up our water before we leave. Oh, oh nice. Which is very nice of us. I think it's, it's a... Is that just in Canada, though? I think it depends on the jurisdictions. Probably not all of Canada, and right. it's probably not all of the United States. Okay. But it's, uh, it's a useful tool. I mean, our, our second after saving life is reducing damage to property. And right. if we're the ones who do the damage to the property, right. you know. That's it's not... like the Boy Scout motto, leave with everything you came with. That's true. Yeah. We shot all this water all over. So the ways we deal with it are, are fairly limited. If you show up and there's an airborne vapor cloud hissing out of a tank, yeah. basically we can spray water, water on it try a foam on it to try and keep the cloud down. I'd imagine trying to keep a cloud of gas from moving around containing it anyway would be quite difficult. It is. And I'm glad you said that because <laughs> we're standing there. People are going, do something. Bring your really bring your giant plastic dome Geodesic and put dome. it over. Go, go catch area. that cumulonimbus that's drifting <laughs> yeah. 50 yes. miles away. Th- thank you, bystander. Uh, my job has been to study how to deal with these kind of things, and I'm a little stumped right now. Have you got any ideas? <laughs> exactly. Here's my phone. Look it up. If it's a vapor release, we're going to attempt to stop the release, which is basically what we can do. And then police and ambulance in the province will be evacuating people downrange right. and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, if it's liquid, we have uh, materials for diking, diversion, retention. I don't believe that that term's PC anymore. Diking? Mm-hmm. No, retention. <laughs> Please, use the proper term, lesbianing. So what are these? <laughs> I'm trying to picture. This is not just a fire engine you're bringing. Well, we have hazardous material vehicles, which right. carry enormous drums of different materials that can be used for diking. Some as simple as kitty litter. Oh, nice. Uh, mm. Others, which are uh, shredded paper products that are treated with chemicals to absorb other chemicals. It's great when you have a giant kitten spill. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Again, back with the urine. <laughs> uh, uh, we have we have booms that can be stretched out. That to, is the cutest spill ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the kitten spill. Giant kitten spill. Caustic soda jerks, get out there. Create an internet meme. We've got a kitten spill across the highway. <laughs> Bring kitty litter and scratches. I just picture that giant kitten from the goodies episode in the 70s where it's attacking. Kitty Kong. Kitty Kong. That's the one, yeah. (laughs) I remember that, strangely. (laughs) We we have materials that we can actually cover spill with rather than absorb it and dike it. 
certain chemicals can be diluted just by adding tons of copious quantities of water. Solid materials can be swept into a pile using appropriate gear, cleaned up that way. Mm -hmm. And then there are things where we can can spray uh, fog patterns with our nozzles to, if if it's a heavier chemical coming out, the, the water will cling to it bind with it and bring it down oh so or you, keep it from moving around so instead of like a stream you do like the mist for coming exactly from it's, your, it's called your a fog pattern hose. or a dispersed droplet pattern mm. i totally thought you were going to tell us it was just so that the you know looky loo public couldn't actually see what was going on behind <laughs> right. it also while we're here spray those spray onlookers <laughs> well that's when we tell people you've been contaminated and we have to decon you strip naked and you hose them down with cold water for 10 minutes that'll keep them from coming by and looking at the next incident yeah, yeah i got it <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> so I was suggesting they put up a fog pattern like between the observers. Oh, and that's accident. called a water curtain. Oh. That's called a water. We use it when one house is on fire and you don't want the house next door to burn or, you know, have its right. plastic siding melt. Uh-huh. You can put up a shield of, of water between them to I stop the heat going idea. through. There you go. This sounds like something you want to do in your front yard so your kids can run through it or something. That'd be awesome. Cold, though. I uh-huh. don't know anyone who's borrowed the, the uh, water curtain appliance to do that. I don't know anyone. We're going to have to make that happen. <laughs> In the history, then. Okay. From July 10th, 1976. This is Lombardy, Italy. Okay. This is the Seveso disaster, possibly Seveso. Mm-hmm. Probably Seveso. So named because Seveso, with a population of 17,000 in 1976, was the community most affected, though five other communities were also affected. Okay. So around noon, in a small chemical manufacturing plant, approximately a few miles north of Menon, Due to a number of factors, a runaway reaction occurred in the plant, and a relief valve opened to emit six tons of material distributed over an 18 square, uh, square kilometer or 6.9 square miles uh, area. Okay, well, six tons of material sounds innocent enough. Well, it included one kilogram of 2378-tetrachlorodibenzodioxin, the dioxin being the probably the most important part of that. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, also known as TCDD. Double Ds? Yeah, which is normally seen only in trace amounts of less than one parts per million. However, in the high temperature conditions associated with the runaway reaction, TCDD production apparently reached 100 parts per million or more. So a much higher concentration than is recommended. Now, we know that TCDD is a dioxin. It is also a carcinogen. It is a contaminant in Agent Orange. And Mm -hmm. a mutagenic. Oh, Mm. At least a week passed before it was publicly stated that dioxin had been emitted and another week passed before evacuation began. Okay. So two weeks of uh, dioxin contamination in this area. Now, does dioxin just kind of float around in circles or get caught in weather patterns? Or Like, I'm not familiar with this particular chemical, so I would have to know, was it a complete gas cloud? Was it heavier than air? Was it lighter than air? I'd need to know more about its dispersal pattern. Mm -hmm. But I'm assuming it was a gas that just eventually coated all the vegetation and the fences and the buildings. Oh, nice. Eating your radishes out of your backyard garden. Opening your gate. Touching your doorknob. Well, the local population... Licking your doorknob. Yeah. Drinking your water. Yeah. Well, the local population was advised not to eat or indeed to touch locally grown fruits or vegetables. Okay. Within days, over 3,000 animals were found dead, mostly poultry and rabbits. Well, can you eat them? No. (laughs) Oh. You cannot. (laughs) Emergency slaughtering commenced to prevent TCDD from entering the food chain, and by 1978, over 80,000 animals had been slaughtered. Holy two years of... It was animal slaughtering to keep it from getting into the food chain? Yep. Holy crap. Fifteen children were quickly hospitalized with skin inflammation. Puffed up and going all purple like that kid in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? 
Skin inflammation? Well, it depends on what they're defined. I mean, that could just be redness yeah. and itchiness or mm-hmm. like a sunburn. This is okay. TCDD is the thing that they poisoned uh, Viktor Yushchenko of the Ukraine in that oh. gave him that chloracne and uh, almost right. killed him. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, chloracne is an acne-like eruption of blackhead cysts and pustules associated with overexposure to certain compounds, such as chlorinated dioxins. Mm-hmm. The lesions are most frequently found on the cheeks, behind the ears, in the armpits, and groin region. Yeah. Those are my least favorite places to get yeah. eruptions. I like my cheeks. <laughs> what are what are your favorite places to get eruptions? <laughs> the small well, the small of my back. Yeah. It's exactly. a good place. Yeah. There uh, there is an area in the on, groin where you do like eruptions uh, once in a while. On my, my, my toenails maybe? Maybe if my toenails erupted, I'd be fine with that. The condition was first described in German industrial workers in 1897 by von Bettmann and was initially believed to be caused by exposure to toxic chlorine, hence the name chloracne. Oh, okay. It was only in the mid-1950s that chloracne was associated with other chemicals. The substances that may cause chloracne are now collectively known as chloracnogens. Oh, okay. Think about that. Right, this is a, a total word mashup. Chloracne may be highly resistant to any treatment, and in some cases, the lesions may be permanent. So, 1,600 people of all ages had been examined, and 447 were found to suffer from skin lesions and chloracne. So, just about a quarter of the people examined. Mm-hmm. And in a 1991 study, 14 years after the accident, the most evident adverse health effect ascertained was chloracne. Okay. Other reversible effects noted were peripheral neuropathy. Hmm. Oh, uh, so that is, well, it's nerves. Yeah. Something about Mm -hmm. uh, dead nerves, peripheral. So you can't see any peripheral vision anymore. Well, you have your central nervous system and your peripheral nervous system. Oh, what's involved in your peripheral nervous system? Peripheral neuropathy would be tingling and numbness in your hands and feet. Oh. They they call it frequently like a stocking glove effect, where, where as if you had invisible gloves or invisible stockings on, and when your foot goes to sleep, that horrible pain when it wakes up. Yeah. Right. Imagine mm-hmm. that in your hands and feet 24-7. Yeah. No, that's, no. that's a frequent side effect of peripheral neuropathy. Yeah, I don't like that at all. And also liver enzyme induction. Does Ooh. anyone know what that is? I don't know. It sounds tasty, though. It's, it's starting to make me salivate. Is You're that thinking wrong? of reduction when they're oh, making like a oh, reduction, a balsamic. God. God. <laughs> I started thinking of Italian cooking. The increase in the amount or activity of a metabolizing enzyme as a result of an exposure to an inducing chemical. So how does that feel? I don't know. Not good. (laughs) Probably not not good. Maybe not like anything. Mm -hmm. Moving to 1981, Binghamton, New York. Okay. One of the worst cases of chemical contamination of a building in U.S. history. The building's getting chemically contaminated? Because in February of 1981, an electrical transformer fire broke out in the basement of the 18-story state office building. Mm-hmm. in Binghamton, New York. The fire started at 5.30 a.m. and was relatively short. It lasted for about 30 minutes. Oh, yeah, that's okay. pretty short. That's short. You can do that on one uh, one bottle of air. Mm-hmm. Firefighter can, yeah. The heat in the room rose to an estimated 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, causing a nearby transformer to crack and spill 180 gallons of insulating fluid known to contain PCBs. Uh, what are PCBs? Polychlorinated biphenyls. Bi- Polychlorinated biphenyls. Okay. Here, he said it. (laughs) (laughs) They're bad, and they're all around us. The PCBs vaporize. Joe's always talking about being poly. (laughs) He seems to think it's a good thing. The PCBs vaporized and mixed with smoke and soot from the fire. When the fire alarm was triggered, hatches in the roof above the stairwells automatically opened. When the firefighters arrived and opened the door to the mechanical room, the contaminated smoke and soot was drawn up the stairwells in a chimney-like effect spreading the toxic contaminants to the ventilation system, which in turn dispersed toxic soot-containing PCBs, dioxin, and dibenzofurans throughout the building. 
Mm. This incident is sometimes referred to as the first indoor environmental disaster. Oh. oh, okay. While initially it was expected to take only days to reopen, the cleanup effort w- revealed the difficulty of removing PCB residue. The building remained closed until October 11th, 1994. That's 13 years later. And my wow. birthday. Wow. <laughs> Can you... you were born in 1994? <laughs> I, well, not the 1994 part. <laughs> Multiple environmental samples taken throughout the cleanup had illustrated that despite their best efforts, workers had been unable to remove the residue, leading to several complete decontamination procedures within the building. The duration of the cleanup, combined with the uncertainty of the final effectiveness of the cleanup, led many workers to question whether the building was safe enough for reoccupation. Yeah. The building had been constructed in 1972 at a cost of $17 million, but the cleanup took nearly 14 years and cost $53 million. And they still aren't 100% sure that it was 100% effective. Yeah. Do, now, here's a question. Do you think that they would have to, like, you know, by law, like, reveal to them this whole thing if somebody, like, got a job there? At the Bingham yeah, at the, the state, state building. building. If they got a job in the building and they had to, like, show up and, and they said, now, today's your first day and all that jazz. And, you know, before you start, we are legally obliged to inform you that there was this toxic accident. And it took 14 years to clean up all the PCBs from the ventilation system. Enjoy. But we're really sure it's clean. Yeah. We're really, really sure it's clean. Yeah. We're reasonably sure <laughs> that you'll be okay. But if you notice any itching, mm-hmm. let's sign this waiver. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. was about to say. Uh, the legal team will come in here and uh, get you to sign this waiver, and then we can start right away. How much do you want to get paid? Well, why not just demolish the building? Probably because they didn't know it would take 14 years and $53 million. They were just it's like, like, like waiting for the buff. Oh, we'll be done in a minute. Yeah. Oh, we'll yeah. be done It'll pretty be soon. Well, uh, well, it's been 12 years. We might as well go another year. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's, well, we've already spent $50 million. It looks like yeah. it's a 14-story building. So they did a floor a year. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you think after two years, you go, oh, you know, this isn't going well. Let's let's just knock it down. It was actually 18 stories, so okay. close, close. Okay. 2000, Northwestern Romania, the Biamere cyanide spill. How That's do you spell that? B-A-I-A. Okay. M-A-R-E. So possibly Biamere. 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 Baja. Baja. Bajamar. 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 There we go. Okay, Bajamar. The Bajamar Oral Gold Mine Company claimed it had the ability to clean up a byproduct of gold mining, the toxic tailings, which began to be spread as toxic dust by the wind. So they like they just piled up the tailings yep. and then didn't cover it with a sheet or anything. Yep. Just went, ah, well, maybe maybe it will become Romania's problem. <laughs> a slag heaps are, or tailings heaps, they're going to be huge. You would need a lot of covering yep. to cover a tailing Yeah, heap. maybe the wind... Just happened to be wind machines pointed oh, at your neighbor that you didn't necessarily like that much. <laughs> well, they promised to deal with them and to extract remaining gold from them via gold cyanidation. Okay. The company shipped its waste product to a dam. Okay. In okay. 1999, the Romanian Environment Authorities alerted the management of the Baja Mare mine to the potential risks associated with the dam. After former employees of the company revealed that, during the construction of the tailing basin, serious mistakes were made. Serious mistakes. Okay. Now, wait, wait, they, were, they, were, they said they were taking these tailings and putting them in a dam? Yeah, like they were, were going to building... put them in like a big reservoir. Oh, okay. They're like full of water. I okay. Think so. All right. In December of that year, an official from the neighboring Nagi Bozinta reported that the dam's wall was leaking. Okay. All right. So Baja Mare paid people for covering up the traces of the leakage. All right. Sounds like a good plan. Mm-hmm. One month later, the dam burst and released 100,000 cubic meters of wastewater containing an estimated 100 tons of cyanide. 
into the Lapis and Somes tributaries, where the cyanide concentrations were over 700 times higher than permitted levels. Now, the Somes flows into the Tiza, Hungary's second largest river, which mm-hmm. then flows into the Danube, which flows through Serbia, Bulgaria, and Romania. Yes. And 100 tons of cyanide. The spill contaminated the drinking supplies of over 2.5 million Hungarians. Oh, that's a shame. Wow. But you know, in Hungary, they do make some damn fine wine. So it's not that big a deal. Just switch to wine. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. In addition to the cyanide, heavy metals were also washed into the river, and they have a long-lasting negative impact on the environment. Where do they make that wine from? <laughs> grapes? Where do they grow those grapes? Hungary. How do they irrigate the grapes? Cyanide. Uh, with, <laughs> cyanide. With Brondo. Brondo. <laughs> Wildlife was particularly affected on the Tiza. On a given stretch, and I don't have a figure provided for this, virtually all living things were killed. And further south in the Serbian section of the river, 80% of the aquatic life was killed. After the cyanide entered the Danube, the large volume of the river's water diluted the cyanide. But in some sections, it still remained as high as 20 to 50 times the allowed concentration. And little pools and eddies and whatnot. The Romanian government temporarily banned fishing and the usage of the Danube water for drinking. The best part is the disaster happened as Hungary was in the middle of applying to have part of the Tiza placed under a treaty designed to preserve wetlands of international importance. <laughs> so, ruined. <laughs> well, you know, they protect the wetlands so that they can fill them full of cyanide. I mean, that's protecting them from any incursion of anything that's living. Right. We right? want no humans to come into these wetlands. We want no humans. We want no animals. We want no <laughs> bugs. We want the wetlands preserved. Cyanide them. We it was all to... part of a diabolical plot. <laughs> I believe it. Uh-huh. 2010, October 4th, Ajka, Hungary. Oh, Hungary again? Yeah, the oh. Ajka Timfoldgiar alumina plant. <laughs> my pronunciation, I'm sticking to it. The northwestern corner of the dam of Reservoir Number 10 collapsed, freeing approximately 1 million cubic meters, that's 35 million cubic feet, of liquid waste from red mud lakes. The mud was released as a 1 to 2 meter, that's 3 to 7 feet, high wave, flooding yeah. several nearby localities, Including the village of Kolontar and the de- and the town of Devezkar. Has anyone been to any of those towns? I have not been to Devezkar or Kolontar. I've been to Eger though, oh. in Hungary. Did they make a good bacon and? <laughs> uh, Likey. <laughs> of course he does. At least nine people died and 122 people were injured. The wave of mud flooded streets in Kolontar, where the flow was powerful enough to move cars and vans. About 40 square kilometers, that's 15 square miles, of land were initially affected. So why is this anything other than just a mudslide? Yeah. You ask? How come it's not talked about in our mudslide episode? Well, the high pH mud was considered hazardous and would cause an alkaline alkaline reaction on contact if not washed off with clean water. Okay. Doctors in the hospital of Gyor where many of the injured have been taken, said that it might take days for the full extent of any burns to be realized. Oh, so, uh, wait, hold on, high pH? Because the only thing that I remember hearing about pH balance is in, like, secret antiperspirant. Strong enough for a man, but pH balance, balance for, for a, a woman. woman? Yeah, exactly. So, basically, so what you're saying is, everybody in this region who got hit with this water, if they were a man, it would make them smell like a woman. And if they're a woman, no more perspiration. And what do you know about pH? There's... The center of the scale, zero, then there's highs and lows. I actually am going to get my chart out. Oh, yeah. Bring out the charts. Yeah. So if everyone can see this. Yeah. (laughs) You're you're in for a treat, so do jerks. (laughs) Perhaps we can publish just some kind of a chart on, uh, perhaps we can start a new podcast. Charts. (laughs) (laughs) I actually spend a lot of time making charts. Mm -hmm. So the, the scale we use, the pH scale, zero 
is very strong hydrofluoric acid. That's in the, in the acid scale. Neutral is at 7. That would be distilled water. And sodium hydroxide, caustic soda, is number 14 in the bases. Okay. So you go from 0 high acid to 14 extreme high. base. Okay. Right. With 7 as neutral. Milk is 6, so that's higher than the 7. So milk is slightly more acidic than distilled water. 0 is acid. 14 is base, 7 is neutral. You yeah. can't go wrong. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> yeah. Good. So if it says that this is high pH mud, means it's uh, base. It's basic. There we go. Hence the alkaline reaction. Yes. Yeah. Right. Got it. But they both burn you at either ends of the scale. Right. right. So you would get it on you and presumably not wash it off for days because he said it would take days for the burn to, uh, to set in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it just slowly burns away at your skin. The waste extinguished all life in the Markhull River. Oh. And the spill reached the Danube three days later. It was not initially clear how the containment of, at the reservoir had been breached. Police have seized documents from the Ajkai Tomfoldgyar plant. <laughs> uh, though a spokesman for the company that operates the plant said the last inspection of the pond had shown nothing untoward. Now, I saved the best for last, and by best I mean worst. And we touched yeah. on this briefly. Caustic. How about let's use the term caustic? Sure. So that there's not a value judgment on the loss or not loss of human life. Uh, we mentioned this in the poison episode, mm, but let's okay. go a little more in depth into the Bhopal disaster. Oh, this is the one in India that was on the news for like a year from when 1984. I was a kid. Yeah. yeah, December second to third. Like every night on the news, they had some new story about the Bhopal disaster. I remember this being constant. A pesticide plant owned by the U.S. company Union Carbide, but operated mm-hmm. in the heavily populated city of Bhopal, India. Mm-hmm. Now. Initially, there wasn't supposed to be any hazardous material produced in this municipal zone. Mm -hmm. So Union Carbide was supposed to import the hazardous chemical, namely methyl isocyanate, Mm -hmm. to produce the the pesticide in the plant. Right. But in the 70s, due to economic pressure, they just decided to ignore the rules and begin making the chemical on site. What could possibly go wrong? Mm -hmm. Exactly. We don't have rules for reasons. Mm -hmm. And it's an ugly chemical. A Union Carbide inspection team sent from Virginia in 1982 found at least 30 issues with the plant, 11 of which were in the unit where the disaster would occur two years later. Nothing was done. So Okay, so hold on. Inspectors came in that worked for the company. Yes. That worked for Union Carbide. That's right. Specifically sent there to look for safety issues. To do an inspection. To do an inspection. Safety inspection. Yeah, just kind of like what inspections are for. And they walked through, and they came with a checklist of 30 problems. Yeah. And they went... Presumably, because they're being paid to do this, yeah. they went back to Union Carbide yeah. and said, we have 30 problems. Yeah. 11 really bad ones in this one particular section yeah. that you should probably take care of. Not only was nothing done, okay. the information found was not shared with the plant managers. So why even commission the inspection? <laughs> like, why do the inspection? I, I if you're exactly going why. to ignore it anyway, then just don't do it. I don't know. I know exactly why. Because... They decided there were no problems. Somebody high up. There's no problems. I'm going to prove it. We're going to send an inspection in. And then they got the answer they didn't like. Right. And they went, no, there's no problems. Shut up. We're not going to tell anybody. It's somebody not seeking the truth. Uh, It's somebody seeking evidence for what they already believe. Right. Humans do this all the time. Except, yeah, except it was proven that what you believed was wrong. No, they made a mistake. Those guys, they're, they're, they, they didn't do it right. Oh, those inspectors are hacks. Well, those that's experts. That's, listen, no, no. I'm talking like the guy who, who hired them and hushed it all up. He was like, no, that's that's not true. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. He stood there going, oh, those inspectors are hacks. Yeah, they don't know yeah, what they're doing. No, they don't know what they're talking Send about. Send in another team. Yeah. Get me the answers I want. Mm-hmm. So they didn't even tell the plant manager in Bhopal 
No. Of their findings. Furthermore, the manuals in the plant were only provided in English, despite the fact that the on-site engineers did not understand English. Mm. Okay. They might as well have been monster manuals. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> well, that would have been probably a little more entertaining with all the monster Yeah, pictures. I was about to say, you yeah. can flip through and look at cool pictures, yeah. right? You don't even need to read the English. Says here, methyl isocyanate has 5d6 hit points. <laughs> <laughs> there were no night shift supervisors. Employees were instructed not to fix leaky pipes. Now they're just, they're just like, they're just really like yeah. flouting this. This is like, like Mr. Burns' nuclear yes, plant yes. with Homer no, as the safety inspector. This is this well, starting to kind of feel like Union Carbide wanted this to yeah. fail. This is like the plot to some, you know, James Bondian villain. I always wondered what would happen if methyl isocyanate got spilled in a huge area. Mm. Well, let's do it. It's only India. Let's not fix Don't fix pipes. those plants. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like that, doesn't it? It's. So a lot of the employees kind of knew what was going on, and they were not happy about it. There was this one guy who did a 15-day hunger strike. People, oh. Any people who you know didn't tow the company line were fired. Right. Uh, the or, guy who did the 15-day hunger strike eventually broke it when they fed him the pesticide that they make in the plant. <laughs> or they were fined for filing reports on unsafe conditions, what which, the which f- they were instructed not to do, but he went ahead and did it anyway. So, so there's a fine. They would say, don't file a report, and went, fuck this, I'm filing a report anyway. Yeah. And then they'd be like, oh, well, okay, you are, you have to now pay We're docking us. your pay. You're docking yeah. your pay. You have to pay us $10 for filing a report about safety conditions in the environment in which you live. They're getting this all backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's, the, here's, your, here's your bonus for finding unsafe business yeah. practices. And they charge them for using the copier to make their report. <laughs> <laughs> They're like literally doing the exact opposite thing of everything that you're supposed to do. The only yes. thing that they did right. Only thing so far in this process that they have done right was actually sending an inspection team in the first place. Yeah, yeah. but then they but then after, once they got <laughs> there, once they got that, it's just, it's turned to bizarro world. Yeah. yeah, In November 1984, most of the safety systems were not functioning, and many valves and lines were in poor condition. Several vent gas scrubbers had been out of service as well. The tank that caused the disaster contained 42 tons of methyl isocyanate, which is much more than what safety rules allowed. During the night of 2nd of December, water entered the tank. Nobody's not exactly sure how. Creating an exothermic reaction. Heat was given off. Mm -hmm. Which increased the temperature inside the tank to over 200C, that's 392 Fahrenheit, and raised the pressure. Emergency venting released about 30 metric tons of methyl isocyanate into the atmosphere in 45 to 60 minutes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two tons of And if I remember from our poison episode... The reason that it got out into the air was because a lot of the chemical scrubbers in the venting system were non-functional. Yeah. And what was the chemical that was supposed to be in those scrubbers? Was it caustic soda? Caustic soda. Yeah, there was also, as I recall... Caustic soda would have saved this disaster. There was like a refrigerant, a coolant... That was supposed to be on hand in case the, mm-hmm. the temperature got here. high. Yep. They had moved that to somewhere else in the plant for some other purpose. Oh, it was, it was waiting to happen. Yeah. It was more than waiting to happen. So clouds of suffocating gases blanketed the city. Okay. Residents awoke with throats burning and tears streaming. The initial effects of exposure were coughing, vomiting, severe eye irritation, and a feeling of suffocation. People awakened by these symptoms fled away from the plant. Those who ran inhaled more than course, those who had a vehicle. Because you yeah. breathe heavier, yeah. right? Yeah. Owing to their height... Children and other people of shorter stature inhaled higher concentrations. You know what the runners should have done? They should have tried to run without breathing. Mm-hmm. Skip, right? I've done that. Skip breathing. Yeah, just yeah. skip breathing. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah, you know, running with no breathing, that seems like a good idea. Can't be that hard. The gases produce so much fluid in people's lungs that many drowned in their own uh, lung goo. The tentacle name for lung goo is interstitial fluid. Ugh. Lung goo sounds like something I would order at a 
Thai food restaurant. Mm. Mm-hmm. Many people were trampled trying to escape, so there's that aspect as well. Mm-hmm. So 500,000 people were exposed to the gas. That's that's a lot. That's most of Vancouver. That's half a million. Yeah. That's not most that of That is half a million. <laughs> My calculations are correct. Uh, Vancouver's like over 2 million. Oh, but Vancouver that's, proper. Oh, well, that's the like GVRD. Yeah. Not the GVRD. No, not the GVRD. Yeah. 200,000 were below the age of 15. 3,000 were pregnant women, some spontaneously aborted while trying to escape. Yes. For the women who survived, the stillbirth rate increased by up to 300% and the neonatal mortality rate by around 200%. And in India in the early 80s, I'm sure those numbers weren't that hot to begin with. It killed over 2,000 people immediately and another 8,000 in two weeks and then another 8,000 or more died from gas-related illnesses and injuries. So about 20,000 dead. It's a lot of people. That is a lot of people for a totally preventable incident. A government affidavit in 2006 stated the leak caused over half a million injuries. Findings during autopsies revealed changes not only in the lungs, but also cerebral edema, tubular necrosis, totally tubular necrosis, Mm -hmm. of the kidneys, fatty degeneration of the liver, and necrotizing enteritis. Uh, That's in the small intestine. Okay. Over 150,000 people are still suffering chronic and debilitating illnesses. I wish I, you know what I wish I'd gotten when this gas started? I wish I'd gotten do not enteritis, like my lungs. Do not enteritis? Right. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wish I'd caught a little bit of that. Yeah. There are still high levels of toxic chemicals in the drinking water supply in 15 communities near the plant. And still, you mean in like 2013? Yep. Nice. Yep. U- Union Carbide has a slightly different take on this. Oh, tell me more about what <laughs> Union Carbide says. It differs just a bit. I'm, I'm uh, not an employee of Union Carbide, and I'm not particularly taking their side. I just don't want their lawyers or Vinny the leg breaker to come visit me. So sure. I'm going to lay out what they have to say. This was from a document updated November 2010. Okay. Union Carbide Corporation is a wholly owned subsidiary since 2001 of Dow Chemical Company. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. first thing. What caused the gas leak? Shortly after the gas release, Union Carbide launched an aggressive effort to identify the cause. An initial investigation by Union Carbide experts showed that a large volume of water had apparently been introduced into the methyl, methyl isocyanate MIC tank. This caused a chemical reaction, which so far we completely everyone agree with. Yeah, it. Right. Everyone mm-hmm. agrees with this. Who could have sabotaged the plant? They've gone straight to who sabotaged. That's right. Right. Investigations suggest that only an employee Not with what the happened, appropriate skills yeah. and knowledge of the site uh, could have tampered with the tank. An independent investigation by the engineering consulting firm Arthur D. Little determined that the water could only have been introduced into the tank deliberately since process safety systems in place and operational Ah. would have prevented water from entering the tank by accident. Mm -hmm. My favorite is the next part. If sabotage is the suspected cause, why was this person not brought to justice? Oh, I know. Because you're wrong. Yeah, because that person doesn't (laughs) exist? The Indian authorities are well aware of the identity of the employee and the nature of the evidence against him. Indian authorities refused to pursue this individual because they, as litigants, we're not interested in proving that anyone other than Union Carbide was to blame for the tragedy. Why has Carbide never disclosed the name of the employee that sabotaged the plant? Union Carbide never publicly disclosed the name of the employee because it would serve no useful purpose. Oh. UC <laughs> is not a governmental body and has no authority to arrest or charge anyone. Interesting. Okay. It so goes they, on to say how there were no safety concerns. The inspection of the plant showed it was in perfect shape. And by the way, it was never owned by Union Carbide. It was owned by Union Carbide India, and it's all theirs. If oh, you have the guy's name and you are certain enough that he did it, that means you have evidence that he did it, that you can prove it in a court of law, and you can sue him for what mm. you did and clear your name, yeah. and mm-hmm. you haven't done it. Yeah, that means There's that. my question. Also, the government of, of Bhopal was 
very interested in working with Union Carbide because they made all the jobs in town. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, Carbide did pump money in after the disaster. Uh, I mean, they they, yeah. they they paid the fine, the $415 From million. From what I heard, a lot of the people who were injured or killed, they received $500. Yeah, it, it's not huge money. Absolutely yeah. not. Uh, eight people were tried. Uh, I think they were given charges of misdemeanors and let off, but they were all from the Union Carbide India branch, right. which, okay. which Union Carbide from the United States kept being very clear, saying we're separate companies. They right. own the plant. They operate it. We ignored well, the guys we, who sent into tests. All we did was not provide manuals in the languages that they needed to have them. Yeah. <laughs> it says Union Carbide on the company. They're connected somehow. Yeah. They're responsible. Yeah. A wholly owned subsidiary that, like, or a subcontractor, right, that creates something and then just sells it to the main company or and know, Union some Carbide sort of franchising and- operation. And Union Carbide initially released a statement that hospitals should use sodium thiosulfate to counteract cyanide poisoning, but then they withdrew that statement. Like they obviously, they decided that not that the statement was wrong, not that you shouldn't use that product, right? But they shouldn't but, actually say, yeah, you know, we, you should that we understand what the chemical is that's been released. Exactly. Yeah, they just didn't want to infer any kind of culpability, right? That it came right. from our plant. Yeah. And uh, UC stated that they would cross-examine every applicant who claimed damages from the incident. With over a half a million injuries, this process in court would take more than fifteen hundred years. <laughs> so get your comfy pants on. <laughs> So wait, is it still not in court? Well, it was mostly just a threat. Okay. It was a threat right. so that people wouldn't claim damages. Right. Oh, whisper, you'll be mine. 
in the news. October 2013, New Delhi. I love their meats. Five organizations working for the welfare of the survivors of the Bhopal gas disaster condemned the Indian Council of Medical Research, ICMR, mm-hmm. for not fulfilling its promises of carrying out beneficial medical research on the health conditions of the survivors. The organizations allege that the technical report on the health condition of the survivors released by the Director General of ICMR was based on concocted data and lacked scientific rigor. Mm. Oh, okay. Or maybe a little too much rigor mortis. Oh, not enough scientific rigor and too much rigor mortis? Yeah. The organizations further pointed out that the ICMR set up the National Institute for Research on Environmental Health. That's N-I-R-E-H or NIRA. (laughs) (laughs) They're not very good at their acronyms, are they? No. In October 2010, that's three years ago, for focused research that would benefit the survivors of the Bhopal disaster. All right, that they, seems a little bit late. It seems like you probably could have said something like that before then, but 1984 and all that jazz. 19 they, years on. They said that more than RS20 rupees. crores, RS rupee, more than rupees 20 crores, I think, I think that's about four and a half million U.S. dollars. Okay. I'm open to uh, corrections on that. <laughs> perhaps, uh, perhaps one of our callers could let us know. Yes. Uh, more than that have been spent in the last three years, and no research has been started on any of the 10 areas identified for research. Okay. In support of their charge that the data was concocted, the organizations have introduced before the media 10 individuals whose health data is supposed to have been collected every six months by the official researchers. They reported to the media that they have had no interaction ever with any researcher. I've done the math here. Uh, that is t- about 23.5 billion rupees. Okay. Uh, and that works out to about $385 million US. So basically, they're suggesting this group of people are coming out and saying that this report and this commission, all that stuff, is just being propped up maybe by the company and that they're coming up with false data and that they're saying they're doing research and then not doing it. Is that what this charge is it all about? It goes on to say the report is based on data from just one-fifth of the original study population. It's based on information on just 16 symptoms when data has been collected on 40 symptoms, except for publication of a manual for management of one kind of lung problem Naira has produced no treatment protocols in the last three years. So basically, ICMR has failed to keep its promises and had added insult to injury by granting legitimacy to its dubious report on the health status of the survivors. So it's all just a sham. It seems to be. So, yeah, the uh, the legacy continues. It does. Right. On well, and on and on and on. Well, it's to say it, nothing of the uh, the illnesses and people. The research I did for this episode, there was actually a lot of good podcasts and YouTube videos and everything about the Popel disaster. So if you want to lo- know more, it's easy to find that information, and it's all really horrible and depressing. This is one of these instances where a corporate entity that lives well beyond the lifespan of human beings and like just goes on and you know creates and generates and maintains profit and whatnot – I mean, they're obviously they're just saying, we'll just wait them out. You know, we'll drag it out through the court. We'll create all these bogus studies. We'll not follow up and we'll d- drop this company and disavow ourselves from that company and sell ourselves off. And human beings, unfortunately, uh, as was proved in Bhopal, they come and go. Mm-hmm. But corporations are forever. <laughs> well, according to Union Carbide in their 2010 report. Oh, yes. Did the gas leak contaminate the groundwater and soil outside the plant? Not counting the human beings that were contaminated. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, they categorically say no. 
Indian government authorities have publicly and repeatedly confirmed that no contamination of soil or groundwater outside the plant walls resulted from the gas leak. Interesting. So yeah. it sounds like everything's okay. And and guess who commissioned that report or paid those people or whatever from that fund that they set up, right? Hmm. May 2013, uh-huh. Arnold Schwarzenegger is in talks to star in the new Toxic Avenger. What? <laughs> but he's not going to be the Toxic Avenger. He's in negotiations for another lead role in the reimagining of the 1980s cult pick. No, I'm going to be the Toxic Avenger's father. <laughs> he's going to be very buff and uh, you know look like me, but uh, I'm not going to have to get up in the costume. I'm going to be the Terminator come back to kill the Toxic Avenger because he comes the leader of Freedom Force. It's going to be very funny. Time. I mean, you know, he's all slimy and made out of like just human parts falling apart, and I'm made out of metal and very strong, and so it's the two of us working together. International Film Trust is pitching Steve Pink's reboot of the campy 1984 action comedy described as an action-adventure geared towards mainstream audiences. Schwarzenegger is in talks with producers to star Hot Tub Time Machine Helmer Pink and Daniel C. Mitchell penned the script. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard of any of these people? Kevin? Well, I know Hot Tub Time Machine. It, yeah. uh, it actually was quite funny. Hot Tub Time Machine was written by Pink, the Stephen pop star? Pink. Oh, Stephen Pink. Troma Entertainment's Michael Herz and Lloyd Kaufman directed the original 1984 pick, which initially flopped before getting cult popularity through midnight screenings. Mm-hmm. Avenger went on to spawn three sequels a musical, and a cartoon series, The Toxic uh, Crusaders. Oh, really? So I guess we're in the pop culture section now, suddenly. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> I watched The Toxic Avenger I, I mean, I this saw week. It, I saw it when I was like, you know, 12 or something. You know, it's it's terrible. He carries a mop. He does carry a mop. He carries so, a mop. Yeah, so he's, the basic plot is, there's this nerd, dweeb guy. Mm-hmm. He's the, I guess, the janitor at this health club. Yeah. A gym. Right. There's... This quadruple, quadro, not a trio, quartet, quartet, Uh sure, a quartet of uh, psychopathic attendees, Mm -hmm. Bozo, Slug, Wanda, and Julie. Yeah, and they like to go drive around and run over kids and stuff like that in their in their spare time. It's kind of a uh, you know a dystopic future. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. they or they hate him because. Why not? <laughs> they hate everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're and, nihilists. And <laughs> we are nihilists. We care for nothing. You should never compare this movie to the Big Lebowski <laughs> in any circumstances. And so they orchestrate this elaborate prank where he gets dressed up in a tutu and then they tease him until he runs out a window and falls into a barrel full of toxic waste that happens to be outside of the health club there's nothing nothing like storing your toxic waste outside of health clubs and then he becomes basically a superhero yeah pretty who much. can sense evil mm-hmm. and he's super strong and whatnot yeah but he's not like the spider-man superhero he's like the punisher superhero yeah okay he yeah. like goes and kills a lot of people okay yeah. And then he uh, rescues this blind girl who the evil villains in the taco shop uh, murdered her seeing eye dog. And of course, of course, the blind girl can't, can't see what see a monster he is. Right. Exactly. So she, she they sees fall him in love. for who he is in this in his soul. And then there's a sex scene, and I gotta wonder because he pees out this um, green goo yeah, in this one scene. Yeah. So I have to assume that other bodily fluids are probably equally as toxic. Right. Hmm. But there's this delightful sex scene between him and there's a lot of boobs in this movie, by the way. Uh-huh. Oh. Mutated boobs? <laughs> Regular boobs. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. it's a trauma movie. Yeah. They should have renamed the company the Boobma. <laughs> Boobma? Yeah. yeah. I agree. Maybe this is what we need. The The reboot needs to have a female Toxic Avenger. 
Oh, interesting idea. There might have, you know, I didn't see any of the three sequels. You know, so I'm going maybe to be. There were. I'm going to play the old Toxic Avenger, and the new star is going to be the girl from Juno. She's going to play my daughter, <laughs> and she's going to have the same mishap. No, we're going to find the same success that we did with the Carty Kid franchise. So we're going to get Hilary Swank. <laughs> so this movie is filled with terrible acting. And terrible mm. writing. Yes. The special effects were probably the highlight. Wow. Well, massive budget. <laughs> yeah. I think they had half a million dollars. I was surprised to see a bunch of uh, tanks and everything at the end, like actual oh. extras with guns and everything. Right, right. So they probably... That was, like, that was probably like beyond the makeup for Toxie. No, they probably just shot next to another movie that was shooting, <laughs> right? And, yeah. you know, just caught them in the in their frame. But there were a couple of rare lone kind of laugh out loud moments. Uh-huh. So recommend? No. <laughs> but, you know. Forced to watch? Okay. <laughs> I did watch to- it all the way to the end, but it took two tries. Forced to watch? Oh. You wouldn't gouge your own eyes out? No. Right. That's as high, uh, that's it's as a, high it's praise. It's a date movie, you're saying? Yeah, that's right. That, that is as high praise as that movie has ever received. It should be on the box cover, Torn. Torn Atkinson, I wouldn't gouge my eyes out if you forced me to see it. So I watched, uh, I did this last night. And it was quite late, so I actually didn't end up getting all the way through. But I, I watched the important parts in uh, Return of the Living Dead, the very first one. Okay. What happens is there's a couple of employees, a new guy, and a guy showing them the ropes uh, at this medical supply warehouse. Okay. And the old guy's like, yeah, come on down. Let me show you the cool stuff down in the basement. Remember that movie, Night of the Living Dead? Yeah, that's based on a real thing. We've got the bodies and the chemicals that happened down here. And he goes down and shows them. And uh, kind of bumps one of the the cases that uh, one of the, the chemicals are in, and like the young guys go goes, oh geez, be careful with that stuff. And the guy goes, nah, it's fine, don't worry about it. This stuff's tough. And he goes, bang, and hits it with his hand, <laughs> and just this gas just bursts out of this hole that he makes into in the tank, and they go unconscious. And the next thing that happens is the body that was in one of the tanks is gone, and now there's right. zombies all over the place attacking everybody. So this oh, toxic so there was, spill. There was a body in. in there was a body a barrel. Right. So the the story was that this chemical made these bodies move. He doesn't say become zombies. Right. And but that that's what inspired the movie Night of the Living Dead. But they changed a lot of the details because they had to hide it. Right. And we're storing the leftovers from it. So and is this so, movie still a Romero movie? No. Uh, it's Dan O'Bannon, and I. Okay. think i don't know all oh. the details to this apparently they all kind of worked together or something on this okay. and then split up and made their mm. own Dan okay. from uh, uh alien slash dark star fame oh. right but it's kind of cool that they reference night of the living dead like directly in the movie right. oh but that didn't that's just the movie that happened right we've got the stuff from the real thing and uh it's a pretty gruesome zombie movie i'd never actually seen it before i was right. when it came out i was not into horror movies that much i didn't want right. to see gore and things like that i was kind of a wuss back then and uh, but watching it now like this the guy gets like a fire axe pick through the head as a zombie and he's lying there in the that ground hurts. staked in the ground just screaming because unlike other zombie movies they they think oh kill the brain yeah. So they boom, hold it down and hit it, and it just lies there going, ah, ah, and while it's alive, they're like, well, let's try cutting its head off. And they grab a hacksaw and try and hack the head off. Uh, but eventually, they they take it, chop it up into little bits because, and all the bits are all moving. They're all animated. So. Yeah, they're all like still mm-hmm. animated because they can't kill this damn thing. And they're like, well, let's take it to the crematorium. We got to get rid of this evidence that we fucked up. And they burn it, and uh, the smoke. From the burning mm, yeah. goes out and gra- every single body animates and that's the kickoff for the the movie okay. uh, yeah. you know there's a crematorium in in vancouver and every time i drive by it you see 
the plume and you wonder yeah. is that just their heating i think it's system? just steam though i think that's just <laughs> like the, yeah but, but it's, it's enough to make you as you're driving yeah. by going, yeah. especially if you get like a little bit of a cinder in your eye yeah. Burning. Uh, that's right. uncle tom uh, wait i gotta choose a different name <laughs> for an uncle no uh, uh, uncle al. al yeah thanks there's a movie coming out oh okay bhopal a prayer for rain yeah all right uh it's an upcoming historical drama film uh, set amidst the real-life Bhopal disaster that occurred in India, starring Martin Sheen and Misha Barton and Cal Penn. Cal Penn of... Harold and Kumar. Harold and Kumar. The director, Ravi Kumar... Nepotism. <laughs> described or, it... Yeah. Or, you know, or, you know, the Indian version of Smith. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Described it as a dramatization inspired by real events. Real events. The trailer is online. Uh, it received a market screening at the 2013 Cannes Film Festival and just played at the Tokyo Film Fest. So I guess we'll have opportunities to watch it here in the Western world uh, pretty quick. Okay. Although it has been criticized by campaigners and participants in the tragedy for misrepresenting individuals and the facts. Surprise, surprise. Oh, it's a film. Yeah. yeah. I wonder. I wonder if you well, could do a film like this that's going to make everybody happy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, there's potential it could make Union Carbide happy if the if the conclusion of the movie is <laughs> and Union Carbide didn't do anything. Film sponsored by Union Carbide. That's Judging right. from the trailer, that does not seem <laughs> okay, a wholly owned subsidiary since 2001, a Dow Chemical <laughs> Corporation. <laughs> I also watched 1981's Modern Problems with Chevy Chase. Hmm. Oh, wait, wait, what what was the one with Charlie Chaplin? Modern Times. Modern Times. Oh, right. Okay. No. So is this a, a Chevy Chase remake of the of the Charlie they, Chaplin classic? Yeah, there's a lot of chiz in there. I wonder if that's uh, mm. that was a, re- a reboot. All right. Modern Problems. What's the what's the uh, plot of Modern Problems? Jealous, harried air traffic controller Max Fiedler, recently dumped by his girlfriend, comes into contact with nuclear waste and is granted the power of telekinesis, which he uses not only to win her back but to gain a little revenge. This has nothing to do no. with Charlie Chaplin's Modern Times. I didn't see that movie. Uh, well, I but did. I did see this terrible movie. I was about to say, I think you should have rather watched Modern Times. <laughs> did, did you watch all of it? I did watch it all the way through. Although okay. again, it took me two tries. <laughs> okay. I saw this as a thirteen-year-old kid in the theater. Yeah, so, about five times. Oh wow! wow. Yeah, what? you liked it that much. Well, for some reason, the town I grew up in, this movie was popular with the kids my age, and okay. we all went to it over and over and over again. Huh. And it is so bad. It's terrible. So, here's the question. Like, is this like one of the first things Chevy Chase did after leaving Sunday Live or what? I mean, 1981, it's got to be. Oh, this is He's way very before, young. This is before Fletch and all of those. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. This might be like the yeah. first thing he did after leaving. Surprised his career survived. Also has uh, Brian Doyle Murray, uh, Bill Murray's brother. Oh, okay. Nell Carter. Oh, we wow. We remember from Give Me a Break. Was that yeah, it? Give mm-hmm. Me a Break. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dabney Coleman. Oh, from uh, Cloak and Dagger. Everyone's favorite. And, right. nine, to, and nine to five. In his only on-screen nude scene. What? Whoa. was <laughs> in uh, Modern Problems. This is the movie where the guy gets that nosebleed that's yes. just out of control. Oh, God, this movie's so stupid. <laughs> First off, <laughs> Chevy Chase's character, he's, he's not like an average Joe. He's just a jerky, uncharismatic guy that so, is, was rightfully dumped, so, it seems. Exactly. <laughs> kind of like Chevy Chase. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. The reason he comes into contact with the, chem- the reason this is a chemical accident is he's driving right behind this truck on the highway, mm-hmm. and there's a little spout at the back that I guess some okay. some cap came off or whatever. So all this green goo is kind of coming out, and Chevy Chase is driving really close behind him. Okay, mm-hmm. so instead of easing on the brakes, yeah, maybe backing, backing off, changing lanes, changing lanes. <laughs> 
Is, he honks. Is there a comedic? <laughs> at the car. Is there a comedic trying to turn his wipers on? There's and, the wipers. Yeah, his his, uh, his, his sunroof, sunroof had broken earlier <laughs> okay. in the movie, so it all all this stuff drools and dribbles into his car. Oh, okay. And then he glows green that way that you do in the '80s movies. Right. And then uh, the next morning, things start to move with the power of his mind. Okay. Right. Right. But sometimes when he's using his telekinetic powers, he makes stupid, dumb, funny faces. Okay. Like he does like little bewitched mm-hmm. blinks and makes little funny faces with his mouth and okay. everything Got it. to make certain things happen. And uh-huh. sometimes they correlate to what's happening and other times it's just dumb faces. And, oh, God. <laughs> it was a trial. It was a real trial <laughs> to get through this. Nell Nel Carter plays like some sort of caricature of a voodoo yeah exactly Caribbean she kind has of all these fetishes and whatnot in her room and she tries to exercise uh, the demon from Chevy Chase <laughs> and, and and by by saying that this movie was a trial you meant you felt like you were on trial or like <laughs> that you were crimes be, against humanity you were about to be sentenced <laughs> you are a representative of the human race we've seen this earth movie called modern problems how do you plead <laughs> Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> so you're not suggesting you even yourself... for fun people watch this. No, God. <laughs> just so to laugh bad. at a bad movie. So bad. You throw yourself on the mercy of the court. Now, but but maybe maybe you're just looking at it through Torin Ackett's in the 2013 lens. Uh-huh. If you had seen it back in 1981, would you maybe have been a little bit more enamored with it? I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't really imagine. Wow, that is the most furrowed brow I have ever seen you exhibit in the entire time we've been recording this no, podcast. None of these characters are interesting in any way. Oh, no. So uh, you would recommend it. So Zapped is a better telekinesis, teenage telekinesis movie from the early 80s. I haven't seen that. That's with Scott Bale. Yes. Yeah. How did he get his powers? Was that a. I do chem- not remember. Probably not a chemical accident. But definitely no, not I a think it was. Accident. But the good news about Modern Problems is that Chevy Chase was nearly electrocuted during a stunt in the sequence in which he is wearing landing lights and dreams that he is an airplane. The lights wiring short-circuited through his arm, back, and neck, which caused him to lose consciousness. <laughs> nice. <laughs> which he maintained for the rest of the movie. Okay. I, yeah. Pretty well, much, in terms the, of acting. Pretty much the rest of his career. He yeah. did this movie after Caddyshack. Who wants to talk about The Flash? Uh, not me. I'm not a DC guy. Warren wants to talk about The Flash because he's The Flash fan. Yeah. You're the flash man here, though. Well, so uh, Bartholomew Barry Allen was a police scientist who has a reputation for being very slow, deliberate, and frequently late, Mm -hmm. which frustrated his fiancée, Iris West. One night, a lightning bolt shattered a case full of chemicals, you know, time, Mm -hmm. and they spilled all over Allen. As a result, Allen found that he could run extremely fast and had matching reflexes. And later on, they said it put him in touch with the speed force. The speed force, yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah, just... all the all the speedy characters in the DC universe have uh, tap into the speed force. Yes, mm-hmm. precisely. That's a new thing to basically cover the. But why does it work this way, and why does this not happen mm. when you run fast? Uh, questions. Mm. Oh, it's uh, this magical speed force, which is fine as yeah. long as you make up a thing to excuse your breaking yeah. the rules. Yeah, like uh, they, they have this this whole bit about the speed force, like spontaneously generates a force field around you right. so that you can so the run air breathe. Yeah. So you can breathe and so that your flesh isn't stripped from your bones you're running at 400 miles <laughs> you don't get wind burn it's yeah. basically the convenient force is oh, what yeah. it is it's yeah. like oh that stuff that would be a problem it doesn't happen it's like midi-chlorians which is of. yeah mm-hmm. I I've never been a big Flash fan because, like, he runs fast, you know? Oh, eh. but he can vibrate his molecules and pass through solid matter. Yeah. Or yeah. even through time. 
and or through, and yeah. through dimensions. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, now that's we're how getting... we met the original Flash, the Golden Age Flash. Correct. He vibrated into another dimension. Now yeah. we're getting into the problem that DC had through the probably seventies and eighties, which was going, well, he's got this power, so why don't we just say he can do anything else that he wants to, as long as we explain it using that power? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I hated about DC back then. So, what's I... the science behind his full costume, including the soles on his boots, fitting in his ring? <laughs> you got I, me. I, yeah, I don't know how getting the power to be super fast makes you invent magic clothing as well. Like, yeah. again, I, I'm just gonna reiterate the fact that I've never been a DC fan. Marvel, the Marvel universe made much more sense. To what me. about when they decided to have Kid Flash have exactly the same accident that um, the original? Oh, Flash are you kidding had? me? I saw. I wasn't an animated one where he lost his powers, but to save the world, he had to get them back. So he recreated the accident. Ooh. <laughs> Like, wow. Th- this is just the bad eh, well, it'll work even though <laughs> we could awesome. technically create an entire race of supermen doing this but mm-hmm. uh, we'll do it with you. Yeah. But how yeah. do you know when the lightning I, bolt's going to hit? Yeah, well I <laughs> You're going to need a DeLorean. This is uh. why I don't, like the Flash doesn't make sense. They, it was just early on, we need to make a superhero. Let's make a guy who runs really fast. Okay, and then they had to keep him super and just make up excuses. I would have rather just had him born with the speed force, right? Instead of this whole chemical lightning bolt explosion bullshit. But that time period, that was the, the whole science yeah, was, thing was yeah. in the culture and nuclear yeah. accidents were happening. It was all happening. atomic this. Yeah. And radioactive condoms and atomic pills. and <laughs> I don't think I've read those comics. No, but you'd get yeah. them out of the order. You'd order them from the thing in the back of the <laughs> yeah, comic. The <laughs> x-ray specs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the x-ray specs. Yeah. In the Powerpuff Girls what? universe... Uh-huh. Professor Utonium was trying to make the perfect little girls using sugar, spice, and everything nice. Okay. Okay. But uh, his pet chimp Jojo accidentally shoved the pow- the professor into a container of Chemical X. Wow. Which spilled into the experiment. Oh. There was an explosion, and instead of three regular girls, he got the Powerpuff Girls. Okay. Why was this why? guy trying to make little girls? I was about to say, why did he want three regular little girls? <laughs> it's so lonely. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever watched Powerpuff Girls. I no. haven't. I've heard really good things. You but, should. Uh, I should hear very good things? You should hear very good things. Mm-hmm. You have heard very good things. Now you should go watch the cartoon. I will continue to hear very good things. Uh, what about the Powerpuff Girls would appeal to me? Well, I don't know how you feel about animation. I'm, I'm, I'm down with animation. But Animaniacs is one of my favorite television shows of all time. It's very graphic animation. They're very stylized. It's uh, interesting mm-hmm. and fun to look at. The characters are all very designed very well. Well, it's all very anime, like early, early basic. Like, like chibi, mm-hmm. sort of. The, the whole yeah. cute chibi. Like those of... little Japanese dolls well, that you The buy. girls are. Yeah. Just the girls. Okay. Everyone okay. else is normal. Have a little more caricature to them. Okay. Mm-hmm. If that all makes right. sense. In mm-hmm. a different way. And the writing is pretty funny. The bad guys are pretty funny. They have the gangrene gang. Okay. They have Mojo Jojo, the chimp. Yeah. Okay. Who, there's a really good episode where Mojo Jojo goes back in time. Okay. To try and uh, stop the Powerpuff Girls from being created. Oh. And then he finds out that he was the one who he, did it. It was, was me. Yeah. It was me. And then he just goes crazy. Yeah. It was me. It was me. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> it's pretty funny. All right, okay. And the animation is all very good. And uh, there's some Big Lebowski references if you watch enough of them. Oh. Uh, 
<laughs> Strong <laughs> men also cry. <laughs> Some of that going on in there. So uh, it's very self-referential and uh, enjoyable by uh, children of all ages. All right. It's been around a long time. There are six seasons. Yeah. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while being mentally controlled by a parasitic barnacle. To comment on episodes, make a donation, or see show notes, links, and videos, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Subscribe to our Twitter feed at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Did you regular. say? Did you say because this is written by a beer cat? Because I want to know more about beer cats. I think he said bureaucrat. Oh, damn it! Sadly, a bureaucrat. Oh, I got so excited about beer cats. Can you just squeeze them, or if you shake them, they like you know erupt with beer? Or you are full of beans today? <laughs> what is going on with you over there? Does beans mean bad jokes? <laughs> <laughs> just oh, no. pep and energy, and he just can't. You just can't shut them up. <laughs> <laughs>